I actually don't have wax in my ears. I've always amazed the doctors when I was a kid. Nothing. New fact about Josh. He never has had wax in his ears. Had wax? (laughs) I mean, everybody's got some wax, but... You just said you don't. I actually don't have wax in my ears. And welcome to another wax-free episode of User Words Podcast, where no one here has wax in their ears. Right, Josh? No. Nope. All right. Sounds good. (laughs) I'm joined once again by Mr. Aaron and Mr. Josh. Oh, happy and ready to go for the new year. Josh Mm -hmm. is taking his notes. He's ready. He's engaged. He's ready to control the direction. And the reason he's doing that is because I told him he's the one leading this conversation. We're going to be talking about micro versus macro in the terms of management. Micromanagement versus micromanagement. Uh, I guess strengths, weaknesses, styles, blah, 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 blah. Whatever Josh decides to cover in the Joshian time frame that he has chosen. But before we get to the Joshian topic on the Joshian time, we're going to have Aaron do his favorite thing of the week, which is Aaron's word of the week, right? Yes, 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 yes. Oh, wait. That's not Aaron's word of the week anymore. No, it's not. It's Josh, too. It's Josh and Aaron's word Word of the the week, week. which I don't have a bumper for yet. So guess what? Just going to go right into it. So, Aaron, this week, you have a very special word. (laughs) So this word came about because of the latest Toy Story movie, actually. Oh, wait. That already went through theaters, right? Yes, it did. That's what I thought. And it's actually the 2019 word of the year did you know that no Mm-mm. so you don't know what this word is i do not I, I will give you this clue before josh starts giving you his clues for his minute it has to do with a character from toy story 4 forky forky yeah obviously we've never seen that, toy story 4 no and i say there was never a character named forky before in a toy story movie. It, it's from four it's from the new toy story four <sighs> What a clever name for... It's a spork uh, with like little pipe cleaners on it to, and wobbly, you know, like the little cartoon eyes. You know, like a little kid created in, you know, kindergarten craft time. And they just loved it so much. They're like, Forky is now my new best friend. So <sighs> that that's what we got there. So when Josh is ready to go here, he's going to have a minute to try to get you to say the, the definition for the word existential. Uh, (laughs) why do i feel like i've heard that word before you should have it's the 2019 word of the year existential Existential. josh are you ready to go are you ready to go i need a yes or no from you Uh, i was gearing up to do the minute breath so i didn't waste any time breathing okay yes i'm ready to go okay i will i will give you a few seconds to do your big long deep minute breath all right on your marks He can't hold his breath for a minute. Can well, no. I'm looking at you. He's trying to get a deep, a deep yeah. fill of his lungs so he can go. So for a he minute. can talk for a minute. On your marks, get set, go. Oh my! <laughs> You're wasting time. All right, all right, all right. All right. All right so you and I, when we talk, oh, Rick. Okay. <laughs> wow. Dinosaurs. Talk, they dinosaurs. are what? They're extinct. But they once lived. Another word. <laughs> it's, it, it starts with an E. What, what do you mean? They lived. They once lived. They once existed. Yeah. Exi- existential. So what is existential? What is it? What? What? They existed and then got extinct? 
Nope. I didn't think so. Um, I, I screwed this one up. <laughs> yep. I, I don't know how to recover. Existential. It's, how do you describe this? <laughs> With the definition. <laughs> uh, exist, why, I know that word, but yeah. I mean, okay. I've, I've never. <laughs> Existential. It's of or relating to existence. You were close. It's, it's a philosophical thing. So it's concerned with the nature of human existence as determined by the individual's freely made choices. You were close. That's exciting. <laughs> yep. Wow. <laughs> I guess I'm going to have to go see Toy Story 4 to learn a little bit. Learn some more vocabulary from Forky. Forky doesn't exactly use it. The, the way it came oh. about was Forky goes, I'm trash. <clears throat> True. Was the insistent cry of Forky. The googly eyed oh. spork. <laughs> spork. Why do you call him Forky if he's a Sporky? Because the kid doesn't know the difference and has little little pork prongs on it. But you know, so things you know, existential. It asks us to ask the big questions about who we are, what our purpose is in the face of various challenges. You know, so that's yes. Wow. And you have to define existentialism, existential with existential, which is the very essence of a circular reasoning. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whew. Congratulations! I'm glad I'm 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 glad I learned something new every day. Hey, and well, actually, no, it's new every day. Something new every day until it comes to that one Saturday where I learn four new words in a day. <laughs> Short term, yeah. Short term. <laughs> oh. a, a belly cheer. Yeah. Speaking of which, yeah, one of my coworkers um, that we all know. Yes. Who was was. Making comments using the words from the winter episode. And I was like, oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I knew. Please continue to do that. To no, me. no. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what ice legs meant. Really? Yeah. What does sea legs mean? See, I don't remember that. Ice legs are built like yeah, your you ability can, to walk on, on the ice. ice well. Yeah. Yeah. That's all yeah. ice legs is. No, yeah. Yeah. I, it, it came to me shortly after that. Gotcha. But at first, I was like, I, I don't, I don't remember. Belly cheer. I liked your yo hole. My, <laughs> my favorite one was Aqua Bob. Of course, it was definitely it was. my favorite. Well, I don't mean to micromanage everything here. I'm leaving that to Josh today. So Josh decided he wants to talk about micro versus macro management, and I was like, all right, cool. Guess what? Take it away. You lead. So, Joshy boy, I see you're still fiercely scribbling the notes down into your novel, your autobiography of how you regret everything. But that being said, Mr. Brewer, (laughs) question mark. Take it away. Are you there? So macro versus micro. Do you know what that is? All I know is whenever I've heard the word micromanage, it was never in a good way. So like what what, what about it was bad? So when I worked at Music Center, I was told that one of the people is pretty micromanaging e, and so they're like, "Yeah, I guess when they're around, just make sure you're doing work because they like like if they don't see you're doing much or if you're of any help, they're just gonna get rid of you." I was like, "Huh, okay." So I guess kind of pretend to do work at times if they're because well, like sometimes there is literally nothing to do. Mm-hmm. So well, I, yeah. So when if the person the person ever came around, I mean, it'd be easy to pick something up and make it look like you were doing something. But one of my favorite things to do at the music center was to uh, tune all the guitars in the guitar room. 
Okay. Because then you could literally play them a little bit while you're tuning it to test it out, you know? Okay. But yeah, so micromanaging was not good. Okay, so uh, never mind. I'm not I'm not supposed to be leading this one. Brewer. Yeah. So, Paul, so let me ask you this. So you, you just went ahead and started explaining a little bit on your, your um, experience with micromanaging. Paul, what is your experience with micromanaging? My experience with micromanaging is I have only had a couple managers that I can think of through my lifetime uh, who have micromanaged. And usually when they're micromanaging, they're asking for like status updates like every five, ten minutes, either that or they're hovering above my cube saying, hey, I need you to do this, 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 this. For the most part, most of my managers have been macro management types. I don't know if you want me to flip into that or just want me to stick on the micro right now. I mean, just stick on the micro. Okay. Uh, just, what, are, what are some of your experiences? What are some of my experiences? So, again, uh, co uh, managers. Some of my experiences include managers that would want literally, like every 10 minutes, an email update. Or they put us in a room and they're like, okay, you need to do this. 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 And a lot of, instead of letting me take initiative and figure out what the next steps are for the process that's going on right now, whether that would be a viral removal, a script being written, um, just general help desk tickets, whatever. Instead of saying, okay, look, here's our overall goal. Here's what we need to do. Do it. They're like, okay, now you've done that. Now you need to go into this. Now you need to go into that. Now you need to go into that. Now you need to go into that. Now, I, and I get why they do it. Sometimes you have to micromanage a person through a process, if, especially if they're maybe unfamiliar with it, they're new to it, or maybe they're a little unreliable. Okay. All right. You have anything else you wanted to add? He's looking at you, Johnson. No. No? Okay. So, now what are your experiences with macromanaging? I know Paula can attest this to more than Aaron, probably. Yeah, I I say probably, uh, but just because I've had a, a lot more managers than either one of you. Yeah. I'm, 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 most of my managers have been more the macro hands-off type managers where they're not in there like in your face every five minutes. They're saying, okay, look, here's the project that needs to get done. For example, in my current role, we're doing an email migration from one Office 365 tenant to another. You don't need to understand the technology behind it. You just need to know migrating from one email system to another need to coordinate and get a lot of people done. There are multiple people within that chain. Some of the people like to be very hands-on, very micromanaging, saying, here's the exact list of people that's going to go here, 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 here. This is going to happen. Here's the communication you can use, da, 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 da. Other people in the conversation in the chain who are include my manager, my direct manager, he's very much like, okay, here's the end goal. Get it done. Do it. I will support you. Do it. You don't have to tell me every five seconds how what's going on. I might ask you once in a while, every couple of days, say, hey, how's the project going? Is there any roadblocks? Can we help? Blah, blah, blah. But I'm not going to be sitting in my cubicle and I'm going to watch you work through this. Okay. So, and I know personally for me, how I work, I work better under a macro versus a micro. The reason being that I can take the time to see, here's my goal, and I can go through it. If, if you're going to be microing me through a process, why don't you just go ahead and do it? Okay. I agree with that. So my side of my experience with, with managers and bosses or whatever you want to call them, I've had both with the same managers. And to me, it's almost like a bipolar effect. And it's frustrating as an employee when it's both. You never know when it, what, what it's going to be. The one issue that I've had with micro is, well, let me start off with my first job, which was at a manufacturing plant. They showed me how to do it, and they let me do it. Okay. But they never checked up on me. 
So in a sense, I would get done deburring stuff or uh, punching stuff in a machine or, or what have you. And it wasn't until a few days later they go, hey, you see this batch you did? You got to redo it. What I, what I need to redo it. You know, they, they just let me they just. So they were a little too hands off. They were a little yes. too macro for Especially you. for someone who had just started. And that was like my first experience. But then when I got into my next job, that's when I started seeing the bipolar effect. So my experience has been mostly negative with micromanaging and negative with macromanaging because they do one and the same thing with my experience. So by one and the same thing, I'm not talking about the management style is one and the same, but the person chose to do one and the same. They chose to do both management styles and they weren't consistent with it. So pretty much I'd sit there and if I did something wrong, they micromanage. You know, it's very common response. It's common reaction from a manager is because if you do something wrong, they are fearing what they have to deal with. And so they'll come in and do it. And like you said, oh, why don't you just take it over? You know, and but at the same time, if I did something good, it's suddenly hands off. Like, all right, Josh, you're doing it right. There you go. It's your ship. Make your thing. But then as soon as something goes wrong, it's in like a hawk. I'm going to push back a little on that. I think that's actually a good thing. Well, but here's the thing, though. Okay. There's an issue when it comes to managing to when you're not expressing your when you're an implicit manager. The big deal. And that's what these managers have been, our implicit managers. And for those of you who don't know, there's 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 two types of exp- ex- expectations. There's implicit and explicit. And the difference is the implicit is an implication. And explicit is like a direct request. It's a it's Aaron, you will have everything to me at two o'clock every day. Not, hey, turn in the stuff to me by the end of the day. It's it's very direct. It's black and white. You know what you need to do. You just have to do it. When you have the implicit stuff, it's very broad. There's no constraints. And the issues I've had with the micromanaging in that point is they come in. But when they micromanage, they don't necessarily tell me the explicit requests that they have. They just do the implicit and then leave again and expect me to, to, not in a sense, I mean, in a sense to figure it out, but there's no guidance to figure it out. It's like, it's like they'll come in, do it for me but not train me on it and then let me go and let me try to figure it out. But they'll never train me on it. Okay. But they'll yell at me and get on my case and then they'll swoop in and do it for me, but they'll never train me. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, I have a couple questions for you and I, I know these answers for Johnson. So I don't even bother asking because I know his job history, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, Brewer, have you ever been like a team lead or manager yourself? I have, in a sense, been a team lead, and they have given me the authority of a team lead, but I was never hired. I was never put in a position as a leader or a manager. Okay. And here's why I asked that, because I've done the team lead thing a couple times now in that, and what your manager did with, you know, when things are running well and he's just kind of hands off, that's a great thing. I completely agree. And, And then when things go wrong, they jump in. That's common reaction. Beautiful. That's how it should be. Because what they're doing is they're not punishing you and saying, hey, you, you didn't know what's going on. It's like, hey, okay, something messed up. Let's see where this happened. Let's see what, what we can do to rectify this. Maybe they're not explicitly stating that, but that's what they are doing. Now, the point where you said where like you'll get thrown into something, you get like no training and all that, and then hands off. Yeah. Some of that might be coming from the fact that 
they might know your your things from previous things from previous projects. So, for example, recently I was thrown onto a project at work, and I knew how to kind of run the program going in. You know how to do the migration, but I didn't know all the nitty gritty specific details that were in there because I haven't been involved in the project. And instead of getting all the hands on stuff, my manager was just like, "Here, here you go. Congratulations. You're on this wonderful project. That's." We need to have done. It's critical for the company. And so I didn't get that all that fun training that, you know, be like, okay, where are we at in the project? What's going on? I had to kind of dig in and do it myself. And that was because, and he told me this, he had thrown me in other projects. He had seen that, you know, I was able to figure stuff out. So therefore, I earned his trust to do that. The same thing sometimes when managers will do that is they might throw you in somewhere and go, go, run. We, we have faith in you. And if you... Now, and here's where I'm going to turn this around a little bit on you. As an employee, it is your responsibility then if you feel that you need some training or you need some more information about this to do your your project to turn around and talk to your manager or team lead and say, look, I know you trust me to do this project, blah, 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 but I need some additional information or some additional training in order to successfully complete out this project, which you have entrusted me with. It's not a one-way street of it's just management fault in, in that. It's a two-way street. Employees are equally as responsible for making this work properly, regardless of the micro versus macro management style. Just throwing that out there that we can't just throw it all on the manager's style of saying, da-da-da. It is a two-way street, and both parties are responsible, regardless no. of the style chosen. No. <laughs> no go I'm on. kidding. No, I agree. <laughs> now, if I sit there and I told you that he would entrust me with certain things and then get on my case about not getting something else done, but he keeps putting more and more on my plate and I tell him, you are giving me too much to do, I will start to become unproductive and then insists that I'm not working hard enough. At that point, then you got a wonderful, horrible situation with management that needs to be taken care of. And probably, unfortunately, the way this is going to happen is done by you resigning and finding a new job. Welcome to my world. Welcome to everyone's world in the business yeah, world. Josh. This isn't a unique situation that is very oh, I'm just saying, it's just, now, now you're getting an idea of yeah, my situation. I know, but, so, but, if but no, you, I understand it, it is. If you've done your part where you've turned around and said, hey, there's this much where there's, um, I can't do this because X, and you're still expecting me to do Y, and you're not providing the training that, You've done your part. You've done your responsibility. You've escalated up the chain. Now, there's other ways you can escalate it up. You know, you go to their manager and blah, 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 after you've escalated it through with them properly. But that's a whole other conversation on how to do proper escalation through management chains, which most people would find 100% completely boring because, honestly, it is. Now, workplace boredom. What about what about the instances to where a higher-up manager or overseas your manager? Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's some things going on. There's some things moving, some things changing. And what he is known for is macro and a little too much macro. He does too much hands-off stuff, but he chooses when to micromanage or with no explanation. So the one issue okay. is when you entrust your employees to do a task or you open your ear. Now, now, granted, the boss is the boss, period, you know? They make its final decision. You can't do nothing about it. But the challenge, and I, and this to me, the, the concept of this episode is going to be emphasizing um, uh, 
uh, two words for, to me, which would run a successful business is trust and cooperation. And we'll get to that later. Okay. And so the one issue is he would allow you to choose what you do. But as soon as some new thing pops up, knowing that you've already been given room to do stuff, or he might sit there and request input mm-hmm. so he can make a collective. What's frustrating is when they, they, they look at the big picture and then they sit there and they immediately jump down to a micro scale. So they sit there and say, hey, guys, what are your opinions? This, this, and this, and this. And then they sit there and go, this is what we need to do. And it's no combination. It's, no, it's nothing of what the opinions were just let go of. And it turns out that their decision that you now have to start doing completely is horrible. And they turn around and blame you for it. And this happens again and again and again and again. Over the course of years, you realize that this person is literally insane because they keep doing the same process, expecting different results. So what that sounds like is someone who's not being held accountable. That's honestly what it is. And if now I will give them the benefit of the doubt, because obviously I don't know the full situation. You know, they ask you for your opinions and then they turn around, and do something else. Right. You know, it, there's probably a few days between when you give opinions and when things happen. I have the time it's within the same day. Or, OK, but it's not like the next minute. It might be like later on in the day. Right. Usually it's later on in the day. Yeah. So half day, I would say. Yeah. So there's probably stuff that. At, and I'll, I'll put this, there's probably stuff like at my level, at your level, that we're not aware of because not management, where it's management up that they're aware of and they can't talk about freely for whatever reason. You know, you think expanding and adding another bay for doing repairs would be a great thing. It would drive up business, increase traffic, increase revenue, blah, blah, blah. And you're, you're going, yeah, 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 that's great. And you, and you presented a, a very good case for it, okay? You know, you you present numbers, you present all these facts and opinions, you make a very compelling case. But then on the backside, when, you know, this person you pitch it to talks to accounting and talks to these are people, it's like, well, we we can't afford to make that investment at this time. So instead, maybe we're going to try this, which we can afford, which is completely different than what you, that you, you did. Now, the reason they did, they made that decision wasn't because they didn't like your decision or thought you were an idiot or anything is because they had to face that reality of here's some numbers. We got to work with numbers that we got. Now, what if I told you that happens sometimes? Okay. No, I'm not was... saying every time oh. there's, there's sometimes when like, like you say, maybe they're a little crazy. Don't know. I don't know the, the full situation, but go on. Now in the instance, and in the example you gave now picture that example, except there's anywhere between five to 10 people who are saying the same thing and the person who's making the shot doesn't even get a hold of accounting, doesn't even do any of that. They are there, and within five hours later, because they haven't left the premise of the property, yeah. and you can see what they're doing, they then call the shots. Um, and so... Well, sometimes upper management does that, and guess what? You got two choices. Choice one, continue on with them. Or leave. Or leave. Yeah. And guess what? You're going to see the same exact thing at company B. Everywhere you Company go. C, company D, E, F, G. And that's what that's what I that's quite what I don't understand. I you know, my work experience, I feel like I know what not to do as a manager. That kind of sounds bad. It stinks. I think I told people where I worked. But anyways, <laughs> um, I feel like I know everything not to do as a manager. And there's a whole lot more that I could say that would go, huh, yeah, yeah why are you still there? Um I could say But that. I don't want to pinpoint what managers I'm talking about. Okay. So I want to bring up something then. And this is probably going to throw you completely off track. 
But um, <laughs> have you ever heard of the ladder of accountability? I have not. It's a business thing. Google it real quick. Bing it. Duck, duck, go it. Do something. Johnson, you too. Duck, 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 go. Look for the ladder of accountability. Look for like the image version of it because you don't want to have to read the whole. Avoid the blame game. Yeah. So if you look under images for that. Yeah. So it there's it goes up and down. Okay. It does. Okay. So on the one I have, there's a red line in the middle. And then mm-hmm. there's above that are what's called accountable behaviors and below it are called what what's called victim behaviors. And, and the reason I bring this up, you know, and I'm not trying to derail where you're going with this because yeah, I, yeah. I agree in that scenario, maybe a little crazy. Okay. But there's also things that you can do that then protect you, I guess you could say against all this fun stuff and yeah. keeps you from maybe being a little um, jaded. <laughs> so they have on here this ladder and they, and what they break it down to is, Depending on where you're at, you know, is it an accountable or is it a victim behavior? Victim behavior, you're like, woe is me. This sucks. I can't do anything about it. Blah, blah, blah. Accountable behavior, though, is like, hey, you know what? Here's reality. Management's going a little crazy, but I'm doing what I can with it. You know, so I just bring that up. It's maybe something to kind of look at as well. Um, you know, because, they, you know, they, going up the accountable scale goes, acknowledge reality. It sucks. Management made a bad call. Can't do anything about it. But this is what it is. Embrace it. Embrace the suck. Embracing the suck sucks. Embrace the suck. You sometimes got to just embrace the suck. And understand no that life it. sucks sometimes. But then the next thing, find solutions. How do you work in that framework of what you've been given? You know, that micro, that manage, that the micro, the macro, the hands-off never does the research. And then in your case, the make it happen might not be able to happen, especially if leadership is as you're describing at this uh, fictional company. It, it may not work that way. Okay, but on the inverse, but here's the thing. If you do that sort of stuff, even if you have no control over it, regardless of the management style, macro, 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 Mm -hmm. micro, it at least is going to allow you still be frustrated, but you're not just kind of sitting there going, what was me? Yeah, because otherwise you look down below. It's wait and hope. I can't personal excuses, blame others. Or if you're at the very bottom of the ladder, you're unaware or, or unconscious of this. So you're at least aware of what's going on. So that's good. So I would put you at around the acknowledge reality or maybe the embrace it stage. I'm just posting this out there just because it, it reframes how you think of some of the suck sometimes. <laughs> mm. But that's neither here nor there with the micro macro because this doesn't matter on that scale. But no, I get what you're saying, though, with the management style that does that sort of stuff with that very hands off macro. Maybe sometimes there's stuff going on behind the scenes we don't see. Maybe they're privy to knowledge we don't know, because that does happen, unfortunately, a lot with management. And the one thing I have noticed, and you can attest to this more because you have more. For for those of you, there is like three, how how should I put it? We have three different, each one of us here has a different experience, and it's kind of, it sound rough, but you, who you work for, that's just that one business. It's not a franchise business, right? No, it's just that one business. You can't have Velperts everywhere. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I don't know about like the company Velcro. I'm sure they're. No, I'm talking about oh. Velperts, like as in your speed wrap product. Yeah. So my experience. So Aaron is, what do you say, a family company you're a part of? Aaron's a part of a family company. He's I'm part, a part of the family. <laughs> yeah. I'm a part That's of wrong. a small corporation. When I say it's a big corporation, um, Paul is a part of a massive corporation. Yep. 
So <laughs> trust I'm, me, I got my own macro micro things. So what I'm about to ask Aaron, okay, and it's just kind of going back to what I asked you before about your experience with micro and macro managing. What are things you like that your bosses do? What what are some of the things that they do that you that that you want to see more from them on? I don't like anything they do. Oh, I know. You're just a depressing, <laughs> sad, screamo maniac that just wants to kill puppies. What? <laughs> really cut through. You know me so well. Happy music for crazy people. I do. That's why you like to wear that white mask every single time you go to bed because you want to sleep in some other identity than your own. How? When, you when did take- we go to a creepy pasta podcast? <laughs> I don't know. Susan's <laughs> good took over. Anyways, anyways. Um. Uh, wow, let think, Josh have control for one episode. Look what happens. <laughs> um, pretty much what happens for me at my job now is like it started off very micro for me at least. It's almost like they kind of, they kind of, they're kind of like micro at the beginning. And obviously, as time goes on, they're more <clears throat> relaxed and I guess yeah, hands off. And I mean, they'll ha- they'll have a general idea of obviously stuff what needs to be done, so they'll give you a list. Of some things, and they just let you go about doing what you got to do. Sometimes it, it really depends on how much work we have going on. Uh, what do I like that they do? Yeah. Well, I would say, I mean, you know, once they give you the task, they'll, especially if you've built up, tr- built trust up with them, they'll let you go about doing what you got to do. Um, they're not really hovering over you, making sure you're doing what you got to do. <laughs> and, they just tell me to go at it and have fun, whatever. But then once stuff goes wrong, obviously they're there to help out and stuff like that. I, I guess, I don't know. I've never really had any op- like work with macro management kind of thing, really. Well, I mean, so like right now, they're kind of hands off unless you screw something up. Yeah. I, I mean, it, that's the thing. Like it can change day to day because like sometimes, I mean, well, <sighs> I say there there is a difference between being like a Fenry, uh, being like a coworker, and yeah. then being a boss. So if you're having a hard time trying to, to differentiate right. the, the, between the two, it's when the tasks are given and yeah. when the responsibilities are handed in, and versus them just shooting the, the whatever you call it with you, just chit-chat. Yeah. Well, so yeah, because so for the two guys that are like the supervisors, they're the ones that are giving you your tasks to do. Um, Especially when the orders are rolling in. So depending like through the day, depending on what orders come in, they'll pull you off of what you might have been doing to get something else done mm-hmm. sooner. But then, yeah, so normally for the most part, they'll let you do what you have to do to get it done throughout the day um, and interrupt as needed if they have to for other stuff. But then, yeah, depending like if it's an order that like absolutely has to go that day, um, if they notice that it's not might not get done in time with just one person working on it, then they'll send, they'll either jump in or they will uh, obviously send someone else to help and lend a hand to make sure that it gets done kind of thing. So it's very, I mean, it is just very big, like team driven kind of workplace, which is great. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I don't know if that's so much, I would call that too much, too much micro because I mean, I'm really, they're only jumping in when they need you to go to a different project that, you necessarily don't know about, but they know. They know that right. they, they need help with that. Well, so, yeah, and pretty, I mean, for me too. Like, I mean, they've done enough with me where it's I have a good idea of like when they tell me what to do, I know what it is that they're asking right. me to do, kind of thing. And then 
So it, mm, it's like, not like they move you to Project B and sit there and watch you do it. No, yeah, no. Wait, it's very waiting for you to fail. Yeah, and can you even get this right? Come on. Um, no, yeah, it is, it is very much like that, which I like a lot. It's cool. It's I don't know, it's a fun place. Very relaxed environment for the most part. Um, geez, I don't know what else to say. Okay. If, if they asked you to, they asked you, just kind of curious, if they asked you to run the show for a week, would you do it? Run the show for a week? In other well, words, without, without, being, without no, yeah. being paid. With wait, what? Without, without being paid what you would deserve, what you would, oh, you should so be I'm not paid. getting their pay. Right. So would in other words, you, you'd be acting manager for the week while they're yeah. on, vac- well, well, while they're on a family vacation. Happen, well, let's say they decide to go on a, like they have to do yeah. something for the family because they have to go like on. Make it a month. Well, no, I wouldn't say month. Let's say a week. Say a month. Someone in their family has a medical emergency. They need to leave for the week. All of the the family. Sounds like the mafia. Well, yeah. And they're like, before they leave, they they call you and go, Aaron, you're in charge for the week. Oh, my gosh. So you have to juggle. And let's say there's going to be three new orders coming in this week. See, that's something I can't do yet. I'm not at that level. No, that's that's fair to know that. You you need to know your strengths and weaknesses. The question is, if you were that person... That they would go to, would you? Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, That's, you don't have to. Now, yeah. is there anything you wish they would change? Change? Um. It's okay. No. They don't listen to the podcast yet. No, they do. They do. Well, uh, JT does. Which Ew. now that he works with me, he talks <laughs> about the podcast at work more than I ever have. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, we're, we're, we're. So what can I say? We're hanging. Yeah, yeah, we're hanging out, and he's like, oh. Aaron said something about you, Jeff. I was like, oh, no. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Uh, The phrase snitches get stitches comes to mind. Uh, It was nothing bad. That's directed at you, JT. Yeah. (laughs) So what we're going to need to do is we're going to need to make sure Aaron's character is beefed up as much as possible. So the next time he comes, we can have a PvP battle. Oh, my gosh. I got a lot of work to do in that. So, something for them to do differently. Um, that's really hard to say because I mean Jeff is a workhorse, and Jeff is um, Jeff is one of the supervisors. So okay. him and I guess well that's what I've that's what kind of they've been mentioned as. Well, that's what I heard they're kind of called. I don't know. Okay, fair enough. But so it's, yeah, it's him and then um, kind of like the founder's son, Chris, is like the other supervisor, pretty much. So they. Obviously, know how to do run a couple machines that I don't know yet, mm-hmm. which they've talked about training me on one of them hasn't happened yet. Um, but then the next part is it's it's computer work, like doing like the FedEx like shipments and scheduling pickups and uh, <laughs> all the paperwork. At the so, end of the day, secretary. Sure, you, well, you, you got to set up all the invoices and purchase orders and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. So, which which is important, by the way. Oh, yeah. It is. It's pretty much a purchase order is a credit card. Yeah. So, what was, oh man, they had me do one time. Oh boy. Uh, Like, if they're gone, they'll have me answer the phones if if everyone's gone and no one's available to get to it. Oh, I'm going to call them now. Secretary Aaron. Responding. Remember when I, yeah. Remember I was texting you that during lunch one time and I was like, oh. They said I have to answer the phone because they're all gone on a meeting or whatever. And you're like, I could have so many phone calls coming to you right now. I was like, no, oh. please don't. <laughs> I, I was queuing up our phone system to dial you. Oh, my. you have gotten about 
5,000 to 10,000 oh. calls a minute. Oh, my <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to eat lunch. You know what's funny? <sighs> is your boss is going to actually see all the calls that come in. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron, you got them all right. No. <laughs> uh, and all, and all of them will leave voicemails. This is a company calling to request a million dollar purchase. Why are you not answering? Oh, <laughs> but it would be a robot voice, so they'd be like, "Oh, this is this a is fake. automated. This yeah. is fake, <laughs> fake news." Yep, fake uh, news. Just, I would play, but you couldn't hear it. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fake news. Um, so yeah, that was like one time they had me. Uh, no one was available to take this call or whatever, and Jeff had thankfully equipped me with what I needed to know. About this customer, he pretty much oh, all he had to do is like say, "I don't know how to answer a phone call." <laughs> yeah. This is a phone. This you is- pick it up and you say, "Hello, this is it, it, Speed Tech International." How it, may it I? It wasn't help you? a rotary dial, was it? No, no. <laughs> do you know how to dial a rotary dial? Yes. Wait, <gasps> wait, 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 wait. How how do, do I know how to work one? Yeah, how to dial one? Yeah, Josh, you know how to dial a rotary dial? Doing it right now. I am impressed by both of you. Actually, a lot of kids your age don't, don't know. know how to do that. You start at the number and then you drag it all the way to the end. So, yeah, yeah. Take your finger off. You go to the next number. You drag it all the way yeah. to the end. But is that you, you pick it up and then you just start doing it, right? Yes. Okay. So, so no, you leave it on the hanger and and then well, do it and then pick up. And our <laughs> phone system at work, you have to dial nine, then one. That's something. Yeah, we used to have to do that in my works environment, and then uh, they changed the phone system, so you no longer have to dial nine and one to get an outside line. And people kept calling 911 then. Because <laughs> they would dial, you know, 9-1 to get an outside line. Then they dial one two six two, And then they would end up calling 911 to the facility. <laughs> Oops. Oopsie that doopsie. sucks. Yeah, 911 doesn't like that because if you do it too many times, they will start finding you. Ooh. I and mean, they, that makes sense. In that that's... case, they had to do a micromanagement thing of... Putting a sticker on everyone's phone saying "Do not dial nine and one before getting an outside line." Huh. Well, nice. I mean, when it starts costing the company a lot of money. Anyways, yeah. back to Johnson. So oh, no. things you would like to see them do differently. Honestly, I. Whoa. Um, I can't really think of anything. Honestly, um, I mean, I, he'd like a two-week vacation around his birthday. I would. Uh, wait. What <laughs> is that something I need now? Don't tell me this. I better know that really quick if I need that. Um, <laughs> um, gosh, the only thing I guess I'd want, which would require me to talk to them, would be, I guess, more training on other mm-hmm. stuff. Like, I mean, the one machine, have, like, if Chris is, Chris is pretty much the only guy that runs, it's, it's this machine that makes, um, like rolls and like big rolls and reels of Velcro or speed wrap. Yeah. <gasps> um, get it right on I'm, the product you sell, Velpert. I'm sorry. I'm normally really good about it, and then I start talking too quickly, and then it's not good. Uh, but, yeah, I'd like to be, I guess, trained on the, the other machine. Um, I guess, like, yeah, I wouldn't mind being able to do all that they do. So in case if something does happen where they're both gone, that I could do it, like, that'd be cool. I'm down for that. Uh, but, yeah, as far as for them doing anything different, I guess, to do something better, I, I honestly, I don't even know. And here's something just from my thing from when I've been a team lead and also I've learned from my current manager. You stack everything in your company as though someone's either going to be hit by a bus or win the lottery. Yeah. So you you stack the company, the training, like Chris, 
gets hit by a bus and he's out of commission for like two months. No, I didn't say die. Just he's out of commission. Out of commission for, yeah. He, while he's, he's still alive. He's still alive, but he has to stay in the hospital for two months and heal off his broken bones. He's in a full body cast. Yeah. He can't move. Yeah. What What would happen right now if he's the only one that knows how to run that machine and that happened? Oh, that or if he won the lottery and he just became a billionaire overnight and he's like, I'm done working. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, you got no one left to do that. Yeah. But so, I mean, then, that's not part of micro macro. That's just me uh, about business continuity. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At that point, because then Jeff does know how to work that machine. and But then, yeah, he would pretty much be the only one that would know. Yeah. Or uh, how to make her. Chris, how to make her Chris Jeff, and Big Chris on their way to a conference. And the plane crashes or is accidentally shot down by Iran. <laughs> well, Aaron, looks like you now are running a company. Uh, yeah, I guess. Until the will's read and they find out who actually owns it. But yeah, yeah. But, but in the meantime, your name's in it. My name is in it. What? Is Anyways, that, is that the talk you had with my boss? Anyways, Brewer, continue on, please. So, Paul, mm-hmm. your turn. Mm. Your turn for his turn for what? What's the question? What would you like your boss? <laughs> what what are what are what are some things that you like your boss doing, but also what are some things you would like your boss to change? Current boss, previous boss, all bosses. Let's say imaginary boss. The boss that you can talk about the most on. <laughs> Let's say your current boss. That's the one I can talk about the least. <laughs> Way to go, Josh. <laughs> uh okay. How about this? I, I will take traits from multiple bosses because all my bosses have done weird things, and I love them all, but some of them, let's just say, if, yes. we, if, if we didn't work together, I don't know. Um, okay. <clears throat> things that I do not like about bosses. Wow, this is going to sound like I'm bashing on bosses all of a sudden. And mm. I'm not, because I realize that these are things that are happening, and maybe I don't know things that are happening behind the scenes. So, yeah. for example, being thrown on the project last second and told, hey, you're being taken off of everything else, and do this. And you're like, I don't like doing this. Mm-hmm. I, I know how to do it, but I don't like doing it. You want me to stop doing the things I like and do this? Okay, fine. <laughs> it's for the good of the company. Uh-huh. I understand. Yeah. Personally, I don't like it. But the boss realizes that he has a resource on his team that can handle this. Not his favorite thing in the world to do, but can handle it instead of paying for an outside consultant. Source. So yeah. I get it. Logically, I get it. Um. <sighs> Outside of that, really, the only ones I've ever really had issues with are the ones that like to micromanage way too much and just always requested a status update like every five minutes. I'm like, dude, let me get my work done instead of sending you an email every five to ten minutes. Let me actually do something. The ones that I loved the most were the bosses that say, here's a project. Here's what needs to be done by. Here's what needs to be done. Here's the end result. Go do it. And just gave me that wonderful, wonderful trust to get the project done and completed hmm. and not have to worry and again they might check up once in a while but outside of that they weren't sitting there going what's going on what's going on what's going on and for the most part that's really the only thing that has ever i would have to say for bosses if you if you're sitting there going i need a communication like every five ten minutes i'm sorry we're gonna have a problem <laughs> i guess yeah i didn't think think about you can't think about your pickle wiggly boss you didn't have them in long enough. oh no i mean i'm definitely not thinking about that that was just dumb um but yeah for like i guess when i was at when i was at music center it was like i felt like i had to keep like i'd sometimes get a list of a couple things to do mm-hmm. but then sometimes it's like i'll do one thing then i have to go back and check in to find the next thing and then but then it's like sometimes it's just like oh i don't know just find something to do i can't think of anything at the moment i'm just like uh 
So I great use did of time. not like that. Yeah. As an employee, you like to know what your work is. Yeah. Sit there and have to figure it. And it, 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 it's funny how you say that because I've had, at the current place that I work now, I've had four different bosses. Mm. And one of them has always been my boss, the yeah. higher up one. Yeah. Um, and otherwise, I've, I've rotated to three other bosses. And it's interesting that you say that because there was one position I had to where I was just building maintenance. I sit there and I would have to find my own work. And okay. for a tech, that's a dream job to find his own work. Hmm. Um, but for building maintenance, I just, just walk around. And if there's something that needs to be adjusted or I thought it needed to be adjusted, unless it was potentially a big expense, you just let me do it. Oh, I need to go to Menards to buy some screws. All right, go for it. Need to go to Menards to buy a, uh, you know, 20, 30 light bulbs. Do it. Need to go to buy, uh, go to Menards, buy some shelves. Go do it. You want to knock down that wall? Hey, I'll come up and I'll help you. You know, (laughs) that is probably one of the funnest times and most liked positions with the manager that I've had because he looked at me and he knew I was capable. Now, are there rough experiences with it? Yes. Especially when he would say, hey, so what have you been doing all day? I've been doing this. Takes you that long to do it. Hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm learning how to do it. It still takes you that long to do it. So there are times where I would have situations like that where it's just, didn't make sense, or maybe someone had told him something that wasn't true, and he was questioning right. what I was doing, which happens all the time. Um, no, you don't say. Oh. Mm. <laughs> um, but so for me, I really enjoyed that because um, I was with the one manager that if I wanted to go anywhere in the company, he needed to see that I could do the job. So all my other managers were just pawns in this the place of potential, S, you know, climbing the ladder. Um, right. No, another manager I had. He, um, what I liked about him is, is he was on a macro scale. And when it came to me needing to learn something, he was all about making sure I understood. Mm. Now, did he have the patience like some other managers? No. no, no. But he did do a good job at trying to create discipline and keep up with things. So every few days he'd say, how's it going? And, or, you know, we need to do any changes or, right. you know, he, he was on top of the accountability aspect mm-hmm. of it. Um, but when he would question something, he would ask me, he, he wouldn't hold back. He wouldn't, he wouldn't shoot the, the crap or, or anything. He would, he yeah. would ask me, he's like, you Hey, you know, the, I, I've noticed that, huh? Shoot the breeze. Yeah. Shoot the breeze. He was like, Hey, I noticed that, uh, uh, this isn't getting done as fast as it used to be. What's going on? And I would sit there and I, uh, I would tell him, you know, if something came up or if I had to switch the priority to something else because another manager needed something to be done. So I really enjoyed him. Um, but now the current position, it's a little bit in this position. I've had two managers okay. and the, the, the previous manager acted like the manager I did. I just spoke of, you know, but he was a little bit more loose. He didn't really have quite that accountability, but he couldn't quite talk to you about situations he it's like it's like talking to him for him was a little bit more of a challenge um and uh it's like when something happened he would you know try to take care of it and do it but you know that was about it he didn't explain why's the what's the how's um now the one i currently have i need to be careful here he if you have to be careful maybe you just skip it (laughs) well i'll say this okay he is macro he is a macro, but he micros things he doesn't look into. And mm. it's crazy. If there's information that he got or if there's a situation that happened, 
immediately jumps to my and he jumps down your throat immediately. No questions. Doesn't look into the situation. Doesn't even make sure that what he got told was true. He sits there, he jumps down your throat. So suddenly you have to stop and you have to deal with the situation that actually isn't a situation at all. Okay. He just jumps to micro mode as soon as something negative pops up. Um, and quite often than not, it's something that can simply be addressed with, hey, did this get done? No, it didn't. Why? This is why. Okay. All right. That's it. Instead, it jumps to it, reacts. All and right. that kind of brings me to my next thing. All right. What's your next thing? So the next thing is we're going to start diving into a little bit more of a macro leader and just a leader in general. Okay. Because I would say there is, in my idea, a leader is different than a manager. It's more closely tied to a macro manager. But mm, let me, let me ask you this. Go on, go on, go on. So now there was a, 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 a video I was watching on YouTube. I think I was saying that <clears throat> he he's talked to some soldiers. And the common thing you'll hear from soldiers is, why do you go, why do you, why do you go back? Why do you go back to war? Or uh, why do you keep going back into the, to the fire, you know, you know, firefighters, you ask them, or, or why do you keep going back in the streets if you ask policemen? Right. And a lot of times the words they'll use or pretty much the, the, the summary of what they're going to say is relates to because my brothers are there. Okay. Or they're my family. And the one person he was talking about was somebody in the military and he was a captain and the guy would sit there and medevac chopper came in. Had a GoPro. One of the guys in the helicopter had a GoPro on his hand. And they were, what they were doing is this a team of U.S. soldiers and Afghan soldiers. Can't remember who. Okay. But they, they were escorting some diplomats to an area to have uh, some uh, talks with the, the local leaders. And they ended up getting ambushed. And um, him and one other soldier were dragging one of their comrades to the chopper. And he, the guy had got shot in the neck. And so... You see them put the body on the chopper, and the captain leans over, gives the guy a kiss on the head, and then runs right back to grab more bodies. Okay. And his question to people was, what causes someone to do that? And in his, in his reference as he was talking to them, why would you run back in the middle of the battlefield to grab the wounded, to sit there and keep fighting? Because they would do the same thing for me. Okay. So where, where I'm going to start getting with this is the beauty of macro is that there is a level of trust that gets put in place and the big thing i think is how you address issues if you react to an issue you are more concerned over the person doing wrong and screwing up a situation than you do trying to make sure the situation is handled properly and then you help the person understand themselves so what I want to talk about right now is react versus respond. Okay. How often at work you guys feel that you have more of a reaction to an issue than a response to an issue? And when I say reaction, I'm referring to the fact that there is a negative connotation uh, with that. You know, it's uh, an express of uh, dis disapproving emotion. Right. Uh, and then a response is more of a positive reinforcement and it's a pathway to help correct the situation is what i'm saying is the difference between the two do you guys see more re uh, reactions or responses at work what i end up typically seeing is i see the immediate 
reaction of the pro- of the issue. Uh, so take for example, let's say I screwed up something. Okay, yeah. let's say I screwed up the deployment of 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 a server system, and because of my uh, stupidity, that caused let's say some issues with uh, clinical data. I would see essentially the first thing I would see would be that reaction where you know okay we, we need to get this going now we need to get this up and running we we gotta get this taken care of normally i don't see like the i guess you would call it like the personal reaction where it's the emotion yeah the emotion you don't normally see that you normally see we need to get the system up the response then comes later of we need and this i think maybe is because i work in it so we do this a lot where we instead of just saying Aaron screwed up the deployment ahead before I got to it, so that it's Aaron's fault. It's instead there's a detailed analysis done, and then it's like, okay, here's what the facts say. This is what happened. Here's the lessons learned. There we go. You know, but during that time, the manager may step in and say, hey, we got an issue, and jump in right with us and say, okay, here's how we're going to get this resolved. Here's how we're going to do this today. Here's how we're going to get past this initial five minutes of crisis of. The fire, the hospital's on fire, and we need to put them out of fire. Hmm. 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 I guess he moves to you now. I guess. You want me to go? I can go. If you no, wanna, that's fine. I can if you want to gather your thoughts, I can go. <clears throat> oh my gosh. You want to figure out how to not get yourself fired, I can go. <laughs> um, goodness. I mean, yeah, it depends on the situation. Uh, <laughs> there, was, okay. there was one time where I buried a die in a cutting board. Uh, <laughs> I'm assuming by accident? Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I assume not on purpose. <laughs> no. Yeah. Is so. I guess one of the guys was using it to using this like big punch press to kind of like flatten out these uh, pucks or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so when they had this was before I really knew how to use a machine that well. Um, they would set it up for me, kinda, and I went to go check and make sure it was all good to go. Like, yeah, you should be good. Whatever and. I go to do my first punch out with this die, and when you do the machine, hit it, and then you just hear it just like making a whining noise. And I was like, oh, no. And <laughs> I heard from uh, it was Chris. He's like, stop. And I was like, Ugh. He's like, yeah, maybe it wasn't set. <laughs> was at, least, like, at least he said, oh, maybe it wasn't set. Uh, so, yeah, pretty much it was, yeah, he it didn't get set back to a correct height to use for the die because it wouldn't, I mean, Flattening a puck, you can go a lot farther than having this die that sits a little bit above. And then, I don't know. so anyway, needless to say, it got buried in there, and we tried to get it out without damaging it, but that didn't happen. I think I, I can't remember what. I mean, it was so long ago, but I do remember it was. It came down and was like, yeah, Aaron broke a die. I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so when 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 Big Boss came in. That, uh, they're like, yeah, you can go bring a, the broken die down to him. I was like, oh, it's like okay. Um, but I mean, wear it, was, your, it was fine. You didn't say they were making you wear your shame. Yeah, so, <laughs> making you wear your yeah. shame. It was which wasn't bad. I mean, uh, that's been one like nice thing about I guess working with uh, Big Chris. Uh, he's been very kind to me, which is nice. Uh, been nice. <laughs> The thing that freaked me out, but when he when he came, when he came down, when I brought it, he's like, "Oh, he's like that was one of our good ones." I was like, <laughs> "Oh, <laughs> it was because like we had there like a lot of them had like a wooden like like uh, top piece on it, 
so you couldn't see through. But then we've gotten like new ones where it's like a clear oh, plastic, okay. so you could like line up and see really well. So and it was one of those clear, clear covered or clear top dies that got messed up. He's like, Argh. I was like, oh, <laughs> like I was like, I mean, I was I, f- I was told I was good to go, and clearly it was not good to go. Yeah. So then, not too long after that, they trained me on that machine. Hey, um, at least they trained you on it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, when it comes down to something going wrong, uh, first, yeah, we just figure out what can we do to get it going or get whatever it is done. Right. I mean, yeah, it's uh, the whole like pull. Um, yeah, everything happens after. I guess all the uh, like guess consequences portion happens after whatever it is that need to be done gets done. Um, but it's, I don't think anything has really been too severe to the point where it's gotten anybody in like too big of trouble not to my knowledge and i guess going, well, going i i so i guess the question really comes down to that immediate response is it usually like uh aaron you idiot or is it uh right let's get through this and <laughs> then and then we'll we'll give you a heart attack after right yeah i i think for for jeff yeah it's more um let's get this done figure it out now and take care of anything that needs to be taken care of later if need be um and and sometimes i don't know like if it's joking or like like they say it jokingly but they kind of mean it or if they i but i guess for like the young chris like (laughs) like he'll well this is the hard part because like there's always like so much joking around that can go on sometimes where it's like there's times where it's like wait are you joking or are you kind of serious right now yeah um but yeah so like chris can be one and be like yeah, we just got Aaron screwing things up over here again. Nothing new. I'm just like, oh, I'm like, oh. So, but in a way, that's yeah. also camaraderie among team members. Yeah, yeah. But go so, on. no, I, yeah, it's 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 more so just come together, get it done, and if something needs to be taken care of afterwards, then it's taken care of. It's a very, like I said, it's really. I don't know. I've only, well, yeah, only really working at three places in my life. This has definitely been my favorite place, just for how. People treat each other and just, also, I guess, your a team long, effort. Your huh? longest job, too, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so hopefully if he gets into an accident, he's going to be able to collect uh, uh, <laughs> he's long-term disability. Brewers are wishing you into an accident here. I mean, it Except paid well this the time. time <laughs> with someone that you can actually get payment from and not ban me. That just takes your money. What? So oh. Said, so hopefully it's not So it's like again. the first one again. Maybe yeah. just not as severe. Yeah, Anyways, no, hopefully. Yeah. Let's hope you. God, I'm fly selling in the my back motorcycle. <laughs> hey, yeah. Uh, if any listeners out there, uh, they want to buy a, uh, a Harley Davidson 2017 Ultra Road Glide. Yeah, I'm selling mine. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's not from anyone famous or anything, but I mean, no. So it's you can't. Just, it's you just, can't fangirl it's been about sat it. Sat on no. by a man who's been into two accidents, so it's blessed with with luck at this uh, point. I, I thought uh-huh. you were about to say blessed with blood. B- blessed no, no, no. with blood. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry, we're not doing blood rituals here. <laughs> okay, so anyways, go on. Yes. So, and my experience with reaction versus response, um, I've had both, and the there's... There's what? Most of the time, uh-huh. the reaction has just encompassed like a, a slight emotional, slight emotional, like, uh, like yeah. uh, I may have um, ordered up the wrong part you know so this is going going back two years ago ordered up the wrong part uh my manager look at me and go josh he like smack his lips together and he would like <laughs> breathe in and he's do a little shake from. that's where he got it from 
Um, uh, or another situation would be um, the one boss would put his hands on his face, like, oh, you know, and just breathe out. But more often than not, recently, the reaction has been more long-term emotional response, not short-term, long-term. Um, to where you would hear the earful, to where it wouldn't matter who was in the area, they were going to hear it too. Right. Um, and to me, there is nothing more demoralizing, de- demoralizing, demoralizing, yeah, than having an issue and everybody hearing about it in front of everybody, especially when there are cu- customers in the area too. Yeah, that's in all honesty, a little unprofessional. Trust me. Trust trust them i've mentioned that um and so my experience with that has been more often than not the case recently and and i'm not saying like recently within last month i'm talking within you know since um a year ago since a year ago okay it's not something that happens like it hasn't happened recently recently like the last two months really not last month it hasn't really happened but more often than not it would be the response wouldn't happen until this person had everything off their chest they wanted to get off and to me that is just absolutely demoralizing because i'm not concerned about my failure or my mistake i'm concerned about correcting it then figuring out what happened whereas when your manager sits there and takes it out on you and explains your mistake to everybody it's like okay what are what what are we what are we waiting for you know let's fix the issue yell at me later outside or in, or in a private room, yelling me then. Let's fix it now. Because as it is, and I've noticed, is when employees get uh, what's the word I'm looking for? When they get um, uh, when they understand a mistake has happened, right? If it's not something common, they tend to beat themselves up enough, and it's enough for them to start to be careful throughout the rest of the day. You know what I mean? Like if you guys yeah. make a mistake, you're kind of like, why did I make that? No, it's like I haven't I haven't made that mistake in over two weeks. Why, why did I just, you know, so you beat yourself up enough as it is already as an employee, especially if you're a hardworking employee who takes pride in their own work. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to beat yourself up over it. And it's usually enough from what I've seen that you don't need to, as a manager, express any more disapproval for it, but help them learn how to avoid it and keep it from happening again. So to me, and it was interesting because in the workplace, we're taught not to fail. But Go yes. on. Well, in, in, in my scenario. Say, maybe in your workplace. Um, actually, in my philosophy for work is fail often, fail fast. Because they'd rather you fail right away than fail long term. Yep, but also fail often. In other words, make mistakes left and right. Um, I, I wrote a few years ago. I call it my manifesto for how I work. In other words, this is the details on how I work. Uh, one of the points that I have in there is fail often, fail fast, make mistakes, make them public, make them ugly. And wow. where I do that at work and like when I'm a team lead that I I was never one to say, hey, you screwed up because honestly, you uh, maybe this is more of an IT thing. I don't know. But I learn a lot more when I fail at something than when I succeed at something. When I succeed at something, it's like, okay, that worked. When I fail at something, it's like, okay, that, that didn't, didn't work. work. Why did it not work? Oh, it didn't work because, you know, this computer wasn't communicating with this computer properly, which caused this computer to not communicate with this computer. But if it all worked, I wouldn't know how that all interacted and all how that worked. So that's my philosophy. Fail often, fail fast. Now, obviously, you can't do that 
in all contexts, you don't do that, let's say, oh, I don't know, surgery. You don't fail often, you don't fail fast. You don't go, whoops, I perforated their bowels, they're now dead. Next patient, whoops, I accidentally cut off their heart. You don't do that. No, <laughs> no IT, you can do that. Car repairs, you can probably get away with that a little bit more, you know, you, as long as it's caught before wait, it pays wait, out wait, the shop. With, with car repairs and with any portion of the dealership, you can, but it costs a decent amount of money when you do make mistakes like that. That's the only downside. Well, but, that's, that's why know. I said if it's caught before it ships out, you know, before the customer comes and picks up the car. Oh, we caught that. Let's fix that. <laughs> now, granted, I completely agree with you. And I believe that's how the mentality should be over most most areas in most cases. Because you you can't grow unless you make mistakes. Yep. And, and I completely agree with that. Um, but And I think managers need to recognize that. Yes. And also, the big thing, too is when managers react, if they react impulsively, unprofessionally, it means the world to their employees when they acknowledge that. When they acknowledge that they crossed the line, or they acknowledge that they may have handled something wrong, or they acknowledge that they accused you of the wrong thing, it means the world to the employee. Right. And as an employee, I see it as, okay, at this point, he's not making sure I know he's superior He's on an equal playing field. He wants me to know that he has a heart, that he understands me as a person that I need to feel valued. And when you don't acknowledge that as a manager, you are telling your employees, it doesn't matter who you are, what you are, where you come from or anything like that. I'm right no matter what. Yep. And if I make a mistake, well, guess what? You're at fault for it. And that now leads us into the next portion of Trust and cooperation. And well, there's something else on YouTube. I wanna I'm gonna I'm to read this off. It's kinda it's jibble jabble. Um Okay. So there's a company during two thousand eight when, when when the recession hit. Yep. Uh it was ran by it's a it's a large manufacturing company in the Midwest. Um uh it was ran by the uh, by the name of Bob Chapman. Okay. And practically overnight this company lost about thirty percent of its orders overnight. That's big. And for it being a large company, at the size that this company is, it's pretty big too. They needed to cut $10 million in cost. So they pretty much could not afford to pay their labor. And as the board got together and discussed what they needed to do, like most jobs, what, what do most jobs discuss? Layoffs. How do we eliminate people? Okay. And that is just, it's, it's, and I liked how he was describing this man. Um, he says, it's easier to cut heads than it is to cut hearts. And so the uh, Bob who ran the company did not agree with what the corporates, uh, the corporate group was deciding. And so he ended up coming up with a plan and pretty much what the plan was is that all, all employees from the minute guy that was sweeping all the way up to the CEO, everybody had to take a mandatory four week vacation unpaid. So this guy thought that Everyone should suffer a little, and a few should suffer a lot. And so the big the big part about this is that the manager himself came to the employees and told the employees about this idea and said, hey, I'd rather see you guys not be here for four weeks than never see you guys again. This is something that we have to do, and this is what's going to generate the money required. And so the employees responded that responded with complete cooperation with it. And I'm pretty sure there are certain employees that left to find a different job, the ones that really need it. But one of the things that the employees started doing is they started trading their time off. 
time off, unpaid leave. It's just right. money the company isn't spending. Right. So the bigger people that were making more money traded with the guys who didn't make as much money. So instead of this guy who makes a hundred grand a year takes four weeks off, and this guy who makes thirty grand a year or forty grand a year takes four weeks off, he would give one of his weeks to the bigger guy. So the bigger guy may have taken five weeks off, and the little guy may have taken three weeks off. Anyways, the company ended up saving $20 million through this. Not laying people off, but showing the employees that the employees valued to a point that, that they were valued to the point that everybody had to cooperate to make this work, and everybody did cooperate. And so through that decision and the fact that the, the owner of the company was expressing this to them, uh-huh. there was trust, and through trust, there is cooperation. And so I think more often than not, Big thing is trying to make sure your employees know that you trust them and in turn, they'll trust you. But the other big thing with, I, I, I was a lead at one point, okay? And like I was saying, my boss at the time had actually offered to pay me more to stay and be a full-time manager of this position. Right. You know, because at the time, and I'll just say what it was, be a porter. And for a lot of people who know anything about the car companies, the porter is the grunt of the dealership. They are the lowest guy in the dealership. But my boss was willing to pay me more, pay me overtime, pay me a little less than what I'm making now, which isn't bad for being a porter, especially a full-time porter, okay. um, to sit there and control the porters. And I didn't want to do it. But what they did do is they did have me take lead. So I wasn't going to get in trouble for them not doing stuff, but I did have the seniority over these guys to have them listen to me. and. The one thing I've noticed with macro managers is when they let you go, do your thing, they keep that space. But when you have a leader who may, may have a macro uh, style, usually a leader to me is somebody who's a little bit more hands-on, but not in a dictating way. They're hands-on in a way of, hey, I haven't taught you this. Let me teach you this. They take the initiative on it. Um, they take the... Uh, They'll assume all the risk, you know, they'll, um, um, what's the other thing? Um, they will try to help you understand things or they will, um, sit there and put themselves first to keep you safe. You know what I mean? So uh, for, for example, let me, let me, let me say this. So one of the things that I used to do as a lead for a porter is when they come in, I make sure they know everybody, you know, I, I, I show, show them the ropes. I say, this is here, this is here, this is here, this is here. Any, ask any questions, ask this person, ask this person. I get them to know their whole area, their whole situation. And one of the things that I would do is as I would show them how to do stuff, and I, I did the same thing with every single person that came through. And now this is just minute. This isn't major. This isn't anything. I still have plenty. Of, you know, if I become a manager somewhere else, I'll still have more to learn. You'll okay. never stop yeah. growing. You ultimately won't. But what I have seen through how I did things is I've seen things that I think that some of the managers I have now should be doing, but it isn't the case. Anyways, I'll get back. To, so what I would do is I would show them exactly how I would clean the car or how I would park the cars or how I would clean the shop or whatever I was doing, I would show them exactly how I would do it. And I would have them mock me at each point in time. Okay. And I would have them mock me and then I won't do something and I'll have them do the next step. So I would sit there and I did what I could to guide them. I had the repetition put in place. And then I would sit there and I would... At random points, I would dip away for a second. Say, I'll be right, I'll be right back. Okay. And I'll come back. And then I'll hop to it as if they 
did the thing all by themselves. So at this portion of cleaning the car, they did it all by themselves. And so I would hop onto it or I would start the next task. So I was slowly but surely showing them that I would come back and I wouldn't even ask them about what they just did. I just went to the next thing. So they were knowing and learning that the trust I was giving them wasn't something that was given right away, but it was gradual and it wasn't. And prior to that, nothing was demanding. What's the point to yell at somebody for doing something wrong if they haven't done it enough to know how to do it right? And so over time, it would be, you know, a little, little, a little less. And then I would start doing my own car while they would be finishing it up or maybe parking our old cars or they'd be keying up the lot to do it for snow or, you know, whatever it might be. And before you know it, I was companioning them jobs and saying, hey, do this, go take care of this, go take care of this. And when there was an issue that arrived, what I would do is usually it was brought straight to my attention and I'd say, okay, well, let's go back and let's, let's take a look at it. And so we would go back, we'd take a look at the car and I'd usually clean it up or I'd say, hey, go ahead, grab this. You missed the spot. Let's go ahead and let's get it cleaned up. Let's get it done. Let's get the customer in the car, get them out of here, make them feel happy. Okay. And at the very few times that I did have the opportunity to do it, I would. We would sit there and we would occasionally have some salesmen come back and they'd be screaming their heads off because their customers noticed that there was something on the seat or something on the window because these guys would put so much pressure into the fact that, oh, we got great cleaners back there. You know, they talk up a storm and then they sit there and be like, oh, you're making us look bad because we're talking up a storm for you guys. And I'd sit there and they would scream the head off of this new guy. And when I had the opportunity, I wanted them to see that I trusted them from the beginning, regardless of how new or old they were. I sat there and I said, hey. I don't know who you think you are, but you can't come back here yelling at us. We have six or seven cars we got to do for all of you that want them done right now. So I would sit there and I would defend anybody that was working with me right before their eyes. Okay. When I had the opportunity to, I would give them constructive criticism. I would make sure that they understood that, hey, we can't let this be moved past it. You need to make sure you're doing the process that I have, have shown you and you won't have an issue with these salesmen saying you missed something. Um, And the one thing I have known is, and I have gotten one person fired for it, but when, as a leader, a leader is, should be looking to develop. They should be looking to help you grow. They should be looking to teach you, right? That's that's part of what they should be doing. Yes. Yes. I mean, there's, there's a multitude of things. Yep. But same time, a leader needs to know when to let go. If, they are trying to teach you. And one one employee we had, I outside of work, cool dude to hang out with. He's energetic. He was fun. But when he was at work, his work ethic was extremely poor. And it was to a point where it was a mindset that myself, my boss, we couldn't do anything with. He wouldn't change his mindset that he had. And we try, and I tried. I honestly tried to find ways to make him feel like he could uh changed the way he was doing stuff, but he just didn't care enough to make it work. And at that point I said, all right, it's time to, it's time to let him go. And so we let him go. But there are definitely people that I have worked with that make being a team lead, for example, difficult, definitely people. And they just don't have this level of cooperation that you have yourself. But the one thing as a employee is one thing that I really look for in my managers is when I see them working just as hard as me. Now, I grant there's a multitude of things that managers have to do. One of the big things is paperwork. Paperwork and meetings with the higher-ups to yep. establish the plans and to uh, ha- fill, them in, uh, fill them in on things. But when they're not, 
I'd like to see them working. Okay, whatever it is the job that it is, I like to see them working because then I know that they not only are in a position of uh, decisions, but they're also in a, a position of work and action. That they know that to be there, you have to do it first. Right? It's usually how the case is. In some in some situations, you don't have to. You can just automatically be put in the manager position. Right. But mm -hmm. it helps the employees have more of a trust and a respect when the manager can demonstrate what he wants them to do and does it very well. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. Is there anything you wanted to add? You look like you look like you wanted to add something. No. Oh. Um. I just kind of went off. Yes. That's, yeah. that's what happens with you. Yes. We're well aware. <clears throat> so, anything else you want to add, Mister Brewer? <laughs> um. Actually, I should be asking you that. Paul, is there anything else you want to add, Mr. Diamond? Diamond, and Josh has finally done his first solo show. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that long. Really? We're at an hour 35. Last time I looked at the down the clock, it was like an hour five. Okay. All right. That was good. Good talk. Good talk. Good talk. Uh, Johnson, nice. anything else you want to add? Oh, man. Uh, not really. I don't know. I enjoy my job, and it seems to be like a little... Micro at the beginning ish, and then it as trust builds, it becomes more macro and just good. Well, granted, it's a small company, so yeah, and that enough. is it's very was, team team driven. That is one advantage to that. It's yeah. more on a personal level than it is on a, a more of a a, a a new miracle relationship. If you understand what I mean, do you understand what I mean by that? You're not a number; you're a person. Yes, thank you. But we are all <laughs> you know interchangeable, so. Oh, yes. We are just cogs in a great machine. We are pawns. Of coggery. I like that. <laughs> when you work for, and I think it was going off of something you said before, but the thing that stinks about working for a corporation is when corporate shows up, the response is, hey, make sure you're doing everything right. Or, hey, make sure you look like you're busy. I work with corporate. I work on the same floor as corporate. So corporate oh. is always there. So, yeah. woohoo, corporate. And, uh, and and that's <laughs> that's kind of how I respond to it too. It's like it's corporate. I mean, to anybody in this store, we're fireable at any second, and we're magically replaceable. Well, with that wonderful, happy thought from Josh, anything else? No. Wow, <laughs> you're done with it. No, no I was just answering. Leave us a you. review at ratethispodcast.com/slash/words. What is your favorite style management? Are you more of a micro? Are you more of a macro? Do you prefer one over the other? Which one has the better, I don't know, gut feeling and reaction to you? That's, I guess, a question. Obviously, we know Josh's favorite style, the bipolar macro micro person. No, it is That's not. his favorite one. Absolutely. Uh, and Aaron just loves the micro style. I do. Yes. Yes, I do. You love being told <laughs> when to poop, too. What? Well, I mean. Hmm. You can poop now, but you got one minute.